This week's podcast is sponsored by Jolly Bodger's Piratical Outfitters, who offer a wide range of parrots, wooden legs, cutlasses, eye patches, tricorns, and beard beads. Whether you're a buccaneer, privateer, or tyrannical scourge of the seas, Jolly Bodger has you covered. It seems to me that the young people have started dressing as pirates recently. They seem to consider it fashionable to wear eye patches and ridiculous hats. What's wrong with a simple robe with gold lace filigree and a vaulted collar? That's what I want to know. All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and with me this week is Peter Goffey from the Southampton Guild Role Players. Um, Russ has ever a complete delight to be here. But wait, we have a guest. We do have a guest. Yes, all, all the way from the United States of America. Wow, that's breaking some serious social distancing rules. <laughs> that really is. <laughs> <laughs> We have Timothy <coughs> Gonzalez, uh, who is here to talk all about his upcoming Kickstarter and uh, D&D 5th edition book, which brings us a whole bunch of new uh, races. Well, I say races. Ancestries. Uh, um, uh, you've renamed them Ancestries, I believe, in your book. Have you not? Yes, I have. Yes. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm happy to be here. You're very, very, welcome. very welcome. Now, 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 uh, now, so, can we call you Tim? Absolutely. Please do. And are, and are you a sorcerer? Uh, I am in the process. Fantastic. Okay. <laughs> there you go, Russ. I made a Monty Python joke. That's me done for this year. Right. All right. Well done. <laughs> in case you didn't know, uh, Peter hates Monty Python. I don't hate so. Monty Python. I just hate people repeating Monty Python sketches at me. That's the same thing. <laughs> I am in the same boat. <laughs> I know. I feel your pain. <laughs> <laughs> there's, something, there's something wrong with you both. Oh, I've never seen such filthy looks. Barbara Flores. <laughs> okay, right. Right, let's do a podcast. Woohoo! Let's do some RPG news, shall we? RPG news and RPG podcast. Unprecedented! Sounds like a thing we could do. Okay, right. then, let's start with some D&D news. Okay. Yeah. Because we usually start with D&D news. So, That's- have you seen the latest Unearthed Arcana? Which uh, which landed yesterday or the day before? I want to say really recently. Yes, yes, what I about have. you have seen it. You were excited that, were you? No, it was just like uh, I think I think I saw it on that on some website, uh, a news website, subscription, En World or something. Ah, it's a rubbish uh, website. Ah, I don't know if we've got time for that, but yeah. the uh, owner's a complete jerk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's the worst. Although it's unfamiliar in world, also known as Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, uh, this this latest Ernath Arcana uh, delves into Psionics. I think for like the third or fourth time now, they've uh, they've tackled Psionics in Ernath Arcana. Well, it's pretty interesting because what they've said is they're essentially canning the mystic. Mm. And I gotta say, I'm like, it was what thirty pages. That's that's a class description and a half. I mean, mm. that, that's virtually. I've seen smaller. Ta- I've seen smaller supplements than that sort of like Arcana thing. Not all of it was massively overpowered, but there's one particular subclass that just could do everything better than everyone else, and it also had its own thing that was going on at the same time. It's like, hmm, well, now I know what to do if I wanted to do solo play. But 
That's not what this game is about. Huh. One of the D&D designers on Twitter uh, posted, if you liked the mystic, well, I can't remember the exact words, I'm paraphrasing, but if yes. you liked the mystic, uh, you should have filled out the survey or something like that. <laughs> oh, damn. Okay. So, I get any impression, maybe they got, they got a few people on Twitter going, hey, I like that mystic. Mm. There's, a, there's a lot of sort flying around and people have always been keen to recommend it. But like I say, it's just too, it's just too much. It's too much. Smaller, smaller, more concise classes is what you need. Uh, so, so what do we have? Hey, did you notice that Warhammer 40k Wrath and Glory landed this week? Yes. Well, it's, it's, sort, it's sort of semi-landed. It sort of had a soft touchdown. The PDF's out, but mm. uh, I believe the hardback cover is um, on, its, on its way. Um, yeah, not, not until quarter three this year. No, not, not for a while, but that's okay. Uh, you can get the PDF, and if you're playing online, which all good and responsible gamers should be, then that's even better, surely. Um, hmm. are, are, you, are you are you familiar with the whole Warhammer jazz thing, Timothy? Tim? No, so War, Warhammer is just something I never really got into. Um, mm. I looked at like I was always interested in it because like the artwork and the minis Ooh. and everything for it just oh, yeah. looks so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> And, and that was the issue. I, I started seeing that when I was like in college, and then I found out price tags. I was like, nah, this, 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 I can't be getting into this. <laughs> oh, damn it. Yeah. yeah well, I want to hear more about this Warhammer jazz that, uh, that Peter just mentioned. Yeah, it's basically like regular jazz, except you have a bunch of Skaven, and they're all playing like <laughs> um, instruments made from the bones and skin of elves. It's, wow. it's kind of disturbing in many ways. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Sounds amazing. Hardcore. Uh, yeah. I haven't. I haven't actually had a chance to look at this new Warhammer yet. I think Ooh. it was yesterday at here. Yeah. And uh, I, I haven't. If you uh, if you pre-order the PDF, mm-hmm. uh, the hardcover, yes. you get the PDF for free. Nice. Uh, you can go along to a drive through RPG and buy the PDF. Sweet. Or if you had the uh, Ulysses North America version Ooh. from last year. Yes. On drive through RPG, yes. that has been automatically updated with this new one. Oh, okay, nice, nice. Yeah, well, that sounds that sounds pretty impressive. So I'm not sure how that works if you actually preferred the Ulysses North America version and hadn't actually downloaded it yet. Well, how would you prefer it if you hadn't downloaded it? I don't know. I didn't think that through. No. <laughs> oh. Maybe you had to put hardcover oh, book, but hadn't downloaded the PDF yet. Ah, uh-huh. no, it no, is possible. No, 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 no. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. Um, apparently, it wasn't as well received. I haven't no. actually had a chance to see or play it yet, which is sad. No, but, me neither. Me neither. Me neither. Uh, also, from Cubicle Seven, though, yes. we also have a look inside uh, the Warhammer Age of Sigma Soulbound book. Ooh. Do you remember the previews they gave us of 40k last week? Yes. Yes. Well, we've got some of Age of Sigma this week. Fantastic. Um, if you want to have a quick look at. On my site there, you can see them for yourself. It's pretty much a similar article to, to before, a few page spreads. Very, very pretty. Oh, that's some lovely artwork. Mm. Uh, nice layout. Very, um, very nice. There's a lot of gold armour going on. Uh, not quite sure I understand what all that's about. Probably, I don't know, reasons. Maybe um, they like gold armour, I don't know. Wow, well, it's not got great textile strength now, does it? But yeah. Well, um, maybe it's magic gold armour. Oh, yes, that sounds much more reasonable. Or a Halton, <laughs> why not? Catch our answer to everything. Magic. <laughs> exactly. Woo! Maybe it's psionic gold armour. <laughs> now, now we're talking, that's how we get it back in. Psionic armour. 
Well, I mean, yeah. well, if we're doing a wish list for D&D, a psionic system, and maybe psionicists could be the new crafter class. How about that? Maybe. Don't see why not. Yeah, might as well. Yeah. 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 Well, anyway, uh, we'll put a link in the show notes to that so people can pop along and have a look. Yes. Because that's uh, it's not very it's, it's, it's not good podcast material, is it? Describing describing a page. Well, not 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 if you don't have to use any actual words to evoke a picture in someone's mind and talk about. <laughs> oh, I don't know. They've got a lovely uh, start of the book about archetypes where someone's doing a really quite impressive jump. I hope they're jumping. Uh, they look like they're sort of flying and jumping, wearing yeah, full so they're jumping. gold yeah, yeah. armor. They've got like a ludicrously oversized sword, has is the a great, tradition. It's a great big anime jump, isn't it? That? It's a so, big anime jump. It's a big yeah. anime sword, and that's some lightning bolt that's uh, going on. And their cloak is clearly enjoying some sort of localized updraft. But yeah, it's very dramatic and dynamic. And <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't want to know where that's coming from. <laughs> 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 Indeed. Yeah. Maybe that's the propulsion for the jump. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You're a monster, a fiend. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we've got some stats, some fun packed stats. Stats. Statistics. Stats. My favourite. Statistics. <gasps> Your favourite. Yeah. yeah. Fantasy ground stats. Fantasy grounds. That's uh, a bit like Roll Twenty, but a different one. Uh, Fantasy yes. Grounds is its own system for like doing virtual tabletop. Exciting. Yes. Tell me more about so Fantasy Grounds stats. They have released usage stats going back over the last year. And if you look at the graph and you look at the recent pandemic, you'll notice huh. something very, very interesting. Well, there's been a sharp downturn. Is that what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, no. What, what is the opposite of a sharp downturn? Uh, a sharp uptick, perhaps. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, a massive uptick, uh, over 150%. Nice. Which means business must be doing very, very well for them. Oh, and what's I'm, that between between February and March? Uh, looking at the graph, uh, yeah, yeah, February to March. Yes. Sweet. Yeah. I tell you, it, it makes sense. I've, I've been using Roll20, but... I've started playing a lot more games on it now than I was doing before. And just mm. extrapolate that out. It, it yeah, makes yeah. a lot of sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure all of the virtual tabletops probably have a similar graph. I mean, I know that we've, we've been using uh, Zoom for our games, oh. Thursday night games, but we're going to give Roll20 a try next week if we, can, if we can figure it out. It's really not that difficult. Um, it's, not, it's not that. It's just that some of the people, some of the mem- the, the group have technological issues, which... Uh, Makes it a little more difficult for them to uh, to actually use it. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, if you if you want to have a go at it sometime, give me a shout, and I'll I'll pass on what little information I have about it. Hmm. I'm no expert by any means, trust, but it's always like nice to have some board stuff out to you. Well, it's definitely good to see that people are definitely still playing, oh. yes. and they're doing what they should be, and they're playing online rather than in person at the moment, and that's basically what these stats show. Yeah. Uh, it does. It does also show that D and D's had a little bit of a drop as well oh. in market share, mm-hmm. um, and this is the same as the Roll Twenty stats from earlier in the year said. Oh. So we've got two different tabletop platforms saying the same thing now. Oh. Now it doesn't mean that less D and D games are being played because yeah. more games are being played overall. So still, uh. so still D and D is still growing. It's just what? that a couple of other things have grown just a, a smidgen faster. So D and D dropped from sixty nine to sixty three percent. Oh, okay. 
Uh, whereas on Roll Twenty's figures earlier in the year, it dropped from fifty-two to forty-eight percent. Yeah. Maybe people yes. are getting more experimental now. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Who, who can say? It might even be a rising tide is lifting all ships. Yeah, yeah, well, that's definitely happening. All of, all of them are going up in absolute numbers. It's just the proportions are changing. I mean, it's not a big, big change, really. Yeah. I don't think. Uh, I, I'm interested. Yeah, I mean, like I, I am going to be playing Modifius's version of Star Trek mm. uh, because one well, of my friends has set up a game. I'm like, okay then. Okay. Yes, I should be playing. Hey, are you familiar with the Yellow King? Personally, but I am a fan of <laughs> Call of Cthulhu. Uh, uh, is it not the King in Yellow? Uh, the Yellow King is the name of the role-playing game. Oh, oh. the King in Yellow oh. is the is the topic which inspires it. In which case, um, partially then. I didn't know about the role-playing game. Have you heard of it, uh, Tim? No, I'm I'm familiar with like the idea behind it from yeah. other people that have run games like. Oh. incorporating the story and like putting their own unique spin on it but i've never mm-hmm. i've never played the game or or read the actual story i've just oh, kind of okay. gotten that secondhand you know digested gotcha. and resent to me so the king in yellow uh was uh, a book of sort of short stories supernatural short stories by robert w chambers oh, and okay. this, is, this is pre-lovecraft Right. Uh, uh, and was in fact one of Lovecraft's influences and Lovecraft uses elements of those stories and the ensuing yeah. stage play because there's a stage play of uh, yes them. yes it's a cursed uh, stage play that does come up quite a bit I've seen yeah. yeah so the Lovecraft connection is that Lovecraft is influenced by uh, Chambers and uses some of the elements and Call of Ooh. Cthulhu takes it a little further and and goes so far as to say the king in yellow is an avatar of Hastur but obviously, you know, the in, in the original, this is all it was all pre pre Lovecraft. Um, so yeah, it was it was, it was an anthology of these macabre supernatural short stories, <clears throat> and uh, the role playing game, yes. which has literally just come out from Pelgrane Press, yes. uh, is by Robin D. Laws. Oh, nice! Very, 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 very talented RPG designer. Uh, yes. It's landed on Drive Through RPG in PDF format only so far. Uh, uh, uh. Fifty four ninety five. Oh, oh, oh! Wow. But okay. you do get a lot for that. Mm-hmm. So you get four books. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that's a not GM really... screen, ah. okay. a bonus adventure, yeah. two card decks, and a music album. Okay. So there we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Saying it's fifty four five dollars for a RPG source book. I'm like, oh, what? I mean, who, 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 who do you think you are, Monty Cook? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, for like four bucks, that's actually about $15 a piece um, with like a free GM screen and music soundtrack thrown in. And two, two card decks as well. And two card decks. See, two I can't remember decks. how much stuff you get in my book. No, no, lots of stuff. So the four uh, books, they're basically four setting books and each of them's a, like, like, like it was an anthology um, supernatural stories these are totally okay. separate little sort of uh, uh set well i say little they're about 200 pages each they're not Crikey. they're not short books right uh, so, so you get four books the first one in the first one you're american art students like investigating vampires and aliens in paris nice i like it uh yeah. in the next one you're soldiers in europe in 1947 on an okay. eerie shifting battlefield so it looks like some kind of slightly alternate mm. history type affair uh the third has you in 2017 
They've, they've got modern day as 2017, so I guess that's when Robin Law started writing this. But it has you in 2017 in America after a civil war. Yeah, well, that, that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, the last one uh, is just like the modern day, but um, the world is permeated by supernatural beings. A sort of urban fantasy mm. type. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Paranormal romance, that's it. Yeah. But like, possibly without the paranormal romance. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it's gumshoe powered as well. It's the same system that powers uh, Time Watch, uh-huh. uh, Swords of the Serpentine, which we played on the podcast about. Yeah. When was that? A year oh, ago? Uh, six months? I can't remember yeah, when that was. That's a kind of corpse game. Yeah, that was quite yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Nice internet for us. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. That's pretty good. Yeah. All right, what else have we got? Hey, uh, War of the Burning Sky. Yes. The adventure that's... Path. Yes, that's um, the adventure part. Is that no, that's a separate? No, I'm thinking of Zeitgeist. This is another. How many adventure paths is Ian World turning out? You've got two big ones. Sky. Two big ones. Yeah, World Burning Sky and Zeitgeist. Those yeah, are the big well, ones. Well, this one, this one was originally for D and D three point five. Right, right. So it's been and updated. Fifth, yeah, there's a fifth edition version coming out, and this is adventure number eight Ooh. of the of the of the twelve part adventure path. It's called Oh Wintry Song of Agony. Lovely title. Yeah. And uh, involves, well, it's quite spoilery if I say what it involves, but it involves the PCs going to this icy underground fortress where a sort of magical super weapon is being built by draining spellcasters. Wow. A proper mage cannon. Yes. (laughs) 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 Anyway, yeah, that, that hit the virtual shelves this week. So that's mm-hmm. number eight of the twelve-part uh, series, and the whole the whole uh, War of the Burning Sky series is a big sort of magical, fantastical war. Yeah, yeah. And you're sort of heroes in that war, mm-hmm. undertaking various missions and doing various things. Uh, that's a whole yeah. backdrop for a for a campaign as well. Mm. Yeah, I mean, well, you've got twelve books. Uh, how many? I mean, what sort of level is that going up to? Uh, it starts at level three. Okay. Uh, I'm not one hundred percent sure where it will finish. Uh, Owen Tree Song of Agony, which is number eight, uh-huh. is, let me double check, is 15th level. So I guess 15. we're going up to 20. Yeah. Ah. Going right up the top. Nice. Look. Getting close to the end. Yeah. yeah. Then game right. content. Always good. Uh, Lucifer. This is another one about mm. my own stuff, but Lucifer uh, yes. has hit the site. Is this Lucifer, as in the Neil Gaiman sort of stories, or is this different Lucifer? This is for Morningstar. Hmm. Yes, this is from the mythological figures and uh, ah, malevolent monsters book. It's a, yes. one, one, one of the stat blocks that will be in there. And yeah. Lucifer, there's three stat blocks for Lucifer actually. Hmm. One when he's um, uh, a, a, a falling angel. Right. One where he's like a fallen angel, but not at the height of his powers. Mm-hmm. And this is the third one, which is when he's totally the Lord of Hell. And guess what? Guess what challenge rating he is? Um, twenty-three. No. Uh, I would have thought, I would have thought around about the twenty-three mark, um, but I made the mistake of actually opening the article and having a look. So um, you see, you cheat. <laughs> I didn't mean to cheat. I was like, re- I was reading through it when you started talking about it, and then you asked me the question. I'm like, oh, okay, well now I know the answer. But that's, that's a meaty challenging rating. I'd have thought, like, I mean, you know, Tiamat is like something like, what, challenge rating 25, 23, something like that. So, yeah, I'd have guessed around there. 
I there, are some, there are some close to CR30 creatures around, and some of the laws of hell and stuff like that are really high, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. They're, pretty, they're pretty, pretty high level. Yeah. Um, so Lucifer's 35, just to listening along, who can't see what you're looking at. Yeah. yeah. So yes, he's a, a monster. For parties of level 35 and above. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you should really be getting into a uh, in fisticuffs with with Lucifer. I don't think that's uh, it's not recommended. Really? So that that's one of those things where I assume kind of like Tiamat. It's like during a game or something, you you find or do things to reduce the power so that you're not fighting a CR thirty five. And and Lucifer unbound because that would be bad. Yeah, I think yeah. I think to be honest, when you've got something like that, in, it's not really. It's more there for you to read and enjoy rather than uh, actually have your PCs fight. <laughs> well, where's the fun in that? <laughs> I know. If, if you terrible. give it hit points, we're gonna try to find a way to kill it. <laughs> I mean, there, there is that. There is that. I I gotta say, like, got magic resistance and legendary resistance, but only three a day. Oh, man, I mean, I I am slightly worried because there's a lot of there's a lot of good spells out there. <laughs> Does it have immunity? Does it have any spell immunity? Uh, it's got damage immunities, but nothing particularly exciting. Condition immunities, charm, disease, exhaustion, frightened, poison prone. Uh, yeah, okay, might be all right. Oh, poor, poor little Lucy. I hope he's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but does have innate spellcasting and free free wishes a day is going to get some stuff done. Mm. Yeah, can't argue with that. No. Uh, oh, 48 plus 10 slashing damage plus 60, 12 necrotic. Ah, that's what I like to see. That's going to hurt. Yeah. thing. You're going to notice that. Yeah. Like, oh, that's always got through my temporary hit points. God. <laughs> <laughs> What's even the proficiency bonus of a monster at CR 35? Because, like, they, they, they put the proficiency bonus for monsters based on, like, the CR. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the CR, I think, like, stops at 30 or something, normally. So, insight of 25 with plus 7 from wisdom, uh, which is, so, plus 18. There you go. True. Nice. Yeah. So, that seems like a reasonable, reasonable thing to do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Keith Baker has shared the cover of Exploring Eberron. Ah, exciting. More Eberron source books. Yes. Love, love Eberron. Ah, yes. In, in which case, uh, there, there, are, there are many people who would be happy to hear more about it. Yeah. Well, it's coming out later this year. I don't know when exactly. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's going to be another of those uh, Wizards-approved uh, Adventures Guild legal kind of... Mm-hmm. Adventures League, even. Yes, yes, but you can't use Everon in your regular Adventures League. You have to be in an Everon setting, which is fair, but slightly sad. It means, it, it means it means it will never hit play unless you're playing in a L legal Everon game. Which, quite oh. frankly, I'm tempted to start one up just because they've got a bit of an adventure pathway out there. I'm like, ooh. Not yet. Soon. Now, as far Soon. as I'm concerned, if Keith Baker writes an Eberron book, or if uh, Ed Greenwood <laughs> writes a Forgotten Realms book, then, as far as I'm concerned, that's official and canon in my head. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not arguing the canon. I'm talking specifically about Adventurous League. Mm. But, you know, if, if Keith Baker brings stuff out, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. And, uh, yeah, Ed Green as well. Boof. Right. Let's have a look what else is there in the news. Is it a bit quiet? 
Well, we've covered quite a bit today, actually. We have. It's been good. Yeah. Um, just a little tangential, but um, mm -hmm. there's going to be some plush toys and collectibles based on Pathfinder and Starfinder. Oh, really? Made by a company called Toy Vault, who make plushy Cthulhu's, fuzzy D20s, and licensed Warple Bunny slippers. Warple <laughs> <laughs> Bunny, marvellous. They, uh, they, uh, now got a license to create uh, Paizo-related plushy toys. It could go big. Yes. I'm assuming the goblins are going to be one of the main plushies for pathfinder i guess so yeah if, if they're not that's that's a big opportunity mess they are they are very endearingly cute yeah it's, it's, it's like i, I don't even know if it's the official mascot but yeah no. you're right they're just adorable yeah adorably monstrous yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah looking at their plushy cthulhu right now oh the vorpal rabbit there yeah straight out of monty python there <laughs> yeah you wouldn't want to mess with that yeah but they're so snuggly. <laughs> <laughs> Until they bite your head off. Not <laughs> <laughs> my head. I was using that. Um, <laughs> Do you know who we haven't mentioned yet this week? Uh, I've mentioned Modifius, so it can't be them. Oh, have you? Yeah, I'm in a Modifius game, Star Trek. Oh, yeah, of course you did. Yes, you did. Yeah. Well, uh, in the news, yes. Modifius has released a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, nice. GPS well, releases more stuff per day than most companies release in a year. Well, what can you say? When, when you have a burning mission to distribute every game product known to RPG, then mm. I can't re-argue really that. So what we got? we got Black Void Dark Dealings in the Shaded Soul, an adventure for Black Void, where you're framed for the slaughter of exotic animals owned by the powerful Grabe Guild, and you must unravel a conspiracy to clear your names. Wow. I've literally never heard of that. That sounds amazing. There's Conan the Scout, exploring the border kingdoms. Huh. Nice. And yeah. for Corvus Belly Infinity, uh -huh. there's the new Mercenary Sourcebook. 114 pages of information oh. on the six major mercenary companies in the human sphere. Three books oh. this week they've released. Fantastic. Um, it's a pretty okay. good rate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they just don't stop. I don't understand yeah. how they do this, but... Well, yeah, um, just keep going and supplying people with books that they wouldn't otherwise be able to get. So yeah. why the hell not? Yeah, good for that. I really should play some more. I, I'm quite intrigued by this, what's it, Corvus Belli thing. Mm. But Black Void, it's like, I don't even know what it is. That's, that sounds intriguing. No, I don't know what that is yeah. either. Yeah. Uh, they release so many things that I, I can't, you know, half of them, I, I don't know what they are. I think quite a few of them are based on um, video games. Yeah, I mean, listener, if you're busy shouting at the podcast, how dare you not know what uh, Black Void is, then morrispodcast at gmail.com, write in and let us know. We'd appreciate a heads up. It I sounds, could look it, it sounds up. pretty cool. It could. I could look it up. Oh, it's, so it's, like not, it's not Shaded Soul, it's Shaded Souk, S-O-U-Q. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know what a souk is. This, this is this is a problem. Someone somewhere is very excited about this. Hmm. Uh, and Black Void, let's have a look. So it launched in 2019. Uh, in the days when Babylon was the greatest city on Earth, humankind Ooh. lived in placid ignorance of the grandeur, vastness and horror of the cosmos. Ooh. Hmm. You are descendants of the survivors from Earth, the lost cradle of humanity. Right. Uh, it is uh, stories of humankind's tribes struggling for survival across countless uncaring worlds. 
Well, so it sounds like a fun, lighthearted romp through space. It does. It does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely got its own, uh, own place that it's going for. I think. Why not? It's gives me a, a bit of a Battlestar Galactica vibe there, just from that. Yeah. It's probably nothing know. like it at all. I'm sure it no. isn't. But just, just from that description, it sounds a bit... Yeah. All right, I think we are done with the news, unless either of you two have got any that I've missed. Tim? Uh, the only other one I saw was someone did the review of Ultimate Spheres of Power. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They just had a Kickstarter for a 5e conversion of that. That was yes, successful. Yes, they were going to change the way we wanted to do magic forever. Yeah. I, I actually yeah. had the, the book for the Pathfinder 1st Edition, one mm. they did for it. Loved it, because mm. as much as I like D&D, the spell system isn't my favorite. So any like uh-uh. revamp of a spell system I liked. Mm. Um, and I liked it so much that when 5th Edition came out, I actually like started working on my own like homebrew conversion of it. Right. That nice. like never went anywhere but it was fun to do and then just randomly i was on kickstarter and saw that they were doing their actual official 5e mm. one so i was like i can't wait to see how this so, goes so what exactly is it how does it work we don't so, change the way we look at spells forever they were very clear on that <laughs> but we don't know anything else they did to us. <laughs> so if it, if it works the way the the pathfinder one works is mm. instead of having like a big list of spells there's a smaller list of spheres of magic which are just kind of like themes of magic so like alteration destruction shape-shifting stuff like that yeah um you whenever you gain access to one of those spheres you basically get a basic ability you can use all the time Mm kind of like a kind of like a cantrip Yeah, yeah um and they use a spell point system which you can spend spell points to gain like the equivalent of using a spell slot on it so using the actual powerful version of those and they have each of those spheres have lists of talents so that you can like specialize or you know diversify the type of spell casting you do but the cool thing i like about it is it basically puts each character has themes of spells that they use so instead of kind of what i think like the 5e the the D grab bag of spells where you just kind of like Haste is really good. Fireball's yeah. a classic. Yeah. All wizards basically look the same because there are some spells which are just better than others. And you take them because why wouldn't you? Mm. Exactly. Yeah. So this one, it's kind of like those those themes. So based okay. on based on the spheres that you pick, you know that they're going to do stuff related to whatever the theme of the sphere is. But there's okay. still enough choices in there where you still feel like you're, you know, creating or building it a different way. Mm. Okay, okay. Makes I get it now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, that sounds quite good. That, that explained it better than any explanation I've seen before. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the reason I'm, I'm looking forward to it for 5th edition is because, you know how 5th edition for spells does the, um, you know, you can upcast spells? Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. So Very similar. Yeah, so I'd like that idea that you'll essentially have a smaller pool of spells because... Mm-hmm everything can be upcast theoretically yes. on a scaling level mm. i don't know if that's exactly what they're going to do but ah. I, I kind of assume that's how it'll work based on how the the original one worked yeah, yeah quite similar to second to pathfinder i think yeah. uh, from what i recall but yeah okay well mm-hmm. that sounds pretty awesome yeah hmm. all right then shall we uh shall we put a cap on that that's the news done let's move yes. on to our favorite game in all the world 
Yes, yes. Uh, Russ, what's the, what's, what's the complete title of our favourite game? It's time to play our favourite game. It's time to play the game. Our favourite game in all the world. Guess the Kickstarter from just the name. Our favourite game in all the world is a game where I read out the name of a Kickstarter and you try and guess what it is from just the name. That one? Okay. So now you're up to speed on the rules as well. <laughs> got it. Yep, got it. Right. Uh, have you used you... Egg Embry's marvelous column? Um, yes. That's not a euphemism. Keep your mind out of the gutter. Oh. Uh, <laughs> that didn't even occur to me until you said that. It's an old joke. That's, that's, all, that's all you, Peter Coffey. That's all um, you. A- absolutely. Um, of Kickstarters that are coming to an end or ending soon, uh, which I believe is the same thing. Okay. Right, yes. Would you like to go first? Would you like to start? Okay. Unless you want to go first, Tim. Uh, sure. Why not? All oh, right, okay. Then. Yeah. That's it. The other way around. All there right, you then. go. Don't never say we don't mix things up. <laughs> and I, I specifically haven't looked at anything on Kickstarter uh, <laughs> so that I don't know anything that's going on. <laughs> My response. I just rely on just generally not knowing what's going on. So, yeah. <laughs> it, it works out very well for me. It's, it's a general state of existence for you, though, to be fair, isn't it, Peter? Uh, happy, happy oblivion. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Okay, Tim, are you ready? All right, I'm ready. Yeah, right. go on, Tim. You can do it, mate. So what is Tales of the City? And Tales is spelled T-A-I-L-S. Uh, ooh, ooh. So this is going to be a PBTA, uh, Powered by the Apocalypse, role-playing game where you're in like 1920s like american city and you're all anthropomorphic animals so like zootopia but with like rum runners and stuff like that pretty close you got you nailed it except for the system so yeah (laughs) (laughs) they called it anthro pulp adventure right (laughs) <laughs> uh, you play anthropomorphic animals. Uh, yeah. The uh, the system is for Pathfinder One E, Pathfinder Two E, and D and D Fifth Edition. Mm. So they're probably about as far from Power by the Apocalypse as you can get. But to be <laughs> fair, it was a strong choice. <laughs> yeah, oh. a strong choice for a Kickstarter uh, <laughs> Kickstarter game. Yep, <laughs> I love I love the name of it. <laughs> Uh, Tales of the Marvel yeah. oh, Well done. Bloody good show. Bloody good show. Right. Yeah. So right, you basically got it half right. You got you got the. You got it more half right. Go on. Away. Away. All right. All right. Let's, let's, Nine, this, this new version of the game where Peter decides what the scores are. Then what, 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 what scores he got there, Pete? Oh, that's a solid nine out of ten. No so nonsense. Is... Nonsense. <laughs> Seven out of ten. Seven. Oh, okay. I try my best, Tim, but he just talked <laughs> to I like, I like the 9 out of 10 better. Yeah, I know, but alas, alas, I'm, I'm not there to score it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Peter. Go on. Give, 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 give me one. Let's see what we got. What is Stranded? Oh, Stranded will be an exciting game where you are castaways on a um, desert island uh, or some such. Uh, far from far from help and rescue. Uh, in fact, what it's going to be is it's going to be providing all sorts of exploration rules and ways of surviving the wild. Um, I'm not getting a strong fifth dead five from it, um, so I think it will be instead like more of a generic, maybe even systemless source book with these various scenarios. 
So, it does involve being stranded, as you as you correctly um, observed. Uh, it's not on a. It's not on a. A deserted island is uh, in space. Crash landed on a planet. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> uh, See, it I, takes... lo- I love it when it's something better than what I thought of. <laughs> it takes but you the... could be crash landed on a deserted island. Oh, man, I cannot catch a break. <laughs> 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 to be fair, I suppose, yes, your answer is encompassed by the actual answer. <laughs> technically, I suppose you're not wrong. Technically, <laughs> technically correct. The best kind. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It uses the Delve rule system, the Delve Second Edition Ooh. rule system. I'm not familiar with it, but apparently it's a D100 mechanic. Right, right, right. Uh, and that's basically all I know. Oh, okay. So oh, I can say literally anything, and you'd have no way of telling. Well, I just read this line. This makes the game quick and versatile, and even allows Delve to be incorporated as maybe a strange island on the planet. In- <laughs> yeah. So- okay. Okay. So it's basically Subnautica, the role-playing game. Yeah. Uh, Subnautica being about you've got a crashed spaceship and you're working out how to bootstrap yourself off this planet before the radiation, all the fishes, all I think ghosts. I don't know. I haven't played that much of it. Coming at you, but it's very, very pretty. I do but it says, it. It says it's think, a great game. I think Outer Worlds or Borderlands. Interesting. That's Ooh. a very different. Those two games are very different. What tone? <laughs> Borderlands, I know, and that is a first-person shooter, which is very heavy comedy basis. Outer Worlds rings no bells with me. I don't know what that is either. Um, there's two games that came out: Outer Worlds and Outer Wilds, and I get them very confused. Okay. Um. It makes more sense. All right. So I think Outer Worlds is by people that did um, one of the like Fallout games, like mm-hmm. the original developers or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's very much first person shooter. Oh, okay. In, but this one's in space and, you know, capitalism mm-hmm. is bad and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess that's what uh, it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Fair enough. That's not, that's not a bad guess then. I think te- since you were technically correct on the island thing. Because planets can have can technically have islands on them. I'll give you eight out of ten for that. It calls out an island description. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. That's it for our favourite game in all the world. And unfortunately, Woo-hoo. I do have to declare Peter the winner this week what? for that sterling effort there at the I, end, where you pulled so out sorry, a superhero. <laughs> I didn't know how this happened. <laughs> I think that, you threw that the stop by going first. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Maybe you should stop going first, yeah. Maybe that's what it is. It seems cruel to make other people go first <laughs> in a game they've never, ever played. <laughs> so, you know, kudos to Tim for, like, giving it out. I'm pretty sure there's, like, a point in it. So, yeah, bloody well played, mate. Bloody well played. Funny. Yeah, Thank you. Funny yeah. that, that was fun. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Guys, 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 I've assembled the ultimate dream team. This group of heroes will save us all. Oh, thank goodness. Things are getting pretty dire around here. The Baraxian fleet's only days away. Never fear, Tom. Our new squad of iconic heroes will put an end to the threat in no time. Great. So who have you got? Superman? The Doctor? Don't tell me you managed to get hold of Luke Skywalker. Well, no, not these, but I think you'll find our League of Avengers will be more than sufficient to handle the Baraxian peril. Well, that's good. So, who will be standing in the front line defending us from certain doom? 
Right, well, I got this. You got, you're going to love this one. Real big hitter. I've got a Mr. Lord Voldemort. Uh, Bob? Yeah. Standing alongside Kylo Ren, Hannibal Lecter, and that Norse legend, Loki. Bob? I like for the lower tiers, providing some important support, thinking, and logistics. We've got the Joker, Hans Gruber, and the Sheriff of Nottingham. Bob? So as you can see, we're in very safe hands. Bob? What is it, Tom? Bob, they're, they're all bad guys. What? What do you mean? I mean, they're all evil, double-crossing, murderous villains. What? Even Jabba the Hutt? Especially Jabba the Hutt. Well, they might not all be perfect. Not perfect? Bob, Hannibal Lecter eats human flesh, and Kylo Ren is responsible for the deaths of entire worlds. Well, like I say... Nobody's perfect, but I mean, you know, who who is? Bob, you have a legion of Daleks here. Yeah, so they'll be jolly useful as long as no one's got any stairs. Bob, they despise humanity more than the Baroxians do. They harbour a genocidal hatred beyond anything we've ever seen. Well, I suppose, I just guess we'll have to be careful. Careful? We're not talking about a pet cat with an occasional tendency to scratch. The Balrog here is an infernal creature of fire and shadow. He's evil incarnate. Ah, that's, that's a bit strong. Going a bit far, don't you think? A bit far? A bit far? Did Grand Moff Tarkin here go a bit far when he destroyed Alderaan? Tom, buddy, look. We all make mistakes. Look, the T-1000 here is a remorseless killing machine. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear. And it absolutely will not stop ever until you are dead. Well, I'm glad it's on our side then. Bob, none of these villains are on our side. They pose more of a threat to the human race than the Baroxians ever will. Well, do you have a better idea? Yeah, I'm changing sides. Changing sides, Tom? Yeah, Bob, I'm... Joining the Baroxians, they might be intent on galactic domination, but at least you know where you stand with them. This bunch of two-faced creeps you gather can't be trusted. I'm sorry to hear that, Tom. I can't allow you to do this. Exterminate! Exterminate! Okay, but we have more important things to talk about now. We do. We've got exciting things to talk about. Mm. Um, an actual thing that I've actually read. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't get a lot of chance to prepare. You sent me something on my busiest day of the week. I was like, well, actually, my second busiest day today is my busiest day of the week. And you said, that. I sent it to you yesterday. I will have you. Yeah. Yes. On my second busiest day. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, mate. It's all good. No, I actually found time to read it and have a look through. Yeah. I must say, I'm very impressed. Uh, so, uh, so Tim, this is your upcoming Kickstarter, which launches at the end of the month, and it's for a book of new ancestries, your name for races, mm. for D&D 5th edition, along with a system for creating them. Yeah. That's right. Uh, yep. And uh, I'd also just preemptively like to apologize for your engineer, because the neighbors just started mowing the lawn, but... Uh... <laughs> Uh, we aside from that, that I can't hear it. Oh, then, <laughs> then good. All right, excellent. Uh, but yeah, so it's um, yeah, it's an upcoming Kickstarter for new Ooh. new ancestries for the for fifth edition reworked nice. reworking existing ones. Uh, and yeah, the new system to kind of streamline the process of 
creating them if you decide to like create new ones because what it does and i got the inspiration from from someone uh ryan langer has a product mm-hmm. called Grazalix's guide to ancestry mm-hmm. on the dm's Ooh. guild nice. um and the, the the same basic system we're just i'm taking a different approach to it but mm-hmm. the idea is um take out ability score increases from eraser and ancestry just yeah give every single ancestry the exact same array that they get the basic plus two to something plus one to something oh absolutely so is, like all half orcs are no longer plus two strength plus one con exactly like, but what if i want to play a rogue half orc how about that mm. yeah exactly because uh, or a druid like ha- having having those ability score increases uh tied to tied to a race or ancestry uh. that's part of that problematic history of D D. Yes. but on like the engagement side it opens up so many more possibilities because you can have these combinations that would normally be suboptimal mm-hmm. you know you you always have the freedom and flexibility to do whatever you want but let's let's be honest the game has mechanical you incentives certain combinations yeah. yeah yeah exactly yeah so get rid of that the same thing everyone's on the same footing yeah so if you have that the only way that you get to like make an ancestry unique is by the other features you give them mm-hmm. and that way you can focus on like what actually is interesting or mm-hmm. unique mm-hmm. so like the system the system i have it's basically each ancestry gets two major features which are more mechanically impactful things mm-hmm. kind of like like a dragonborn's breath weapon something yes. like that is yes. like more impactful and it has way you know sometimes they're limited uses and then you get minor features which are less mechanically impactful like skill proficiencies or like minor advantages to stuff yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. so what i did for that is to kind of build every ancestry with like you get two of these and two of these yeah so you have like one basic set of framework Mm -hmm. that everything falls within so that when you create new ones or you edit existing ones, you kind of know how to build it mm. instead of the current way, which is kind of guessing, like, how powerful is this? Do, does it, is it balanced? Is it unbalanced? It kind of gives you a better framework. Absolutely. So yeah. how many pre-made ancestries do you have in the book in total? So uh, base version, I've got 40 and reworking the existing ones that are already in the game that i am legally allowed to edit and incorporate in another product mm-hmm. um so basics you know human dwarf elf though those will have those will be refreshed with these rules as well ah, so you've got um, things like gorgons yep uh, so mm-hmm. and we're talking gorgons so, as in the original gorgon not the not the dnd yes. gorgon uh, it's not a mechanical ball it's um what dnd calls medusas yes so you, you, you obviously won bonus points by actually knowing something about Greek mythology. <laughs> so, but, <laughs> but you've got things that have got oozes, you've got people who are oozes, which is interesting. Uh, uh, I must ask, right, have you read Dungeon Meshi? Also known Dungeon as Delicious what? Dungeon no. Meshi, also known as Delicious in Dungeon. No, I haven't. Oh, okay. I was just wondering because that's a plot point from there. So I was obviously very excited to see it. I thought, oh, there's something else you might have seen this comic book. Yeah, it's like they, uh, they've got... That, that's their way of animating armor. It's like oozes are living inside the armor and moving it around. Talking mm. of animated armor, animated armor is in fact a, animated a armor. Well, is it not? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so what I did as well yeah. is like I, I put some 
you know, I have some new ones, you know, unique creations. Uh, and I also took some like existing traditionally monsters mm. uh, and reworked them. So mechanically, yeah. you can use them as an ancestry and they'll yes. be ideally balanced. Yeah. So you can have a Medusa or a gargoyle yep. adventuring with other people. Yeah. Uh, and then for some of them, I also like reworked their lore either slightly Ooh. or just came up with something brand new. Cause some of them don't have that much aside from they are monster. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like, uh, the hanger yokai, uh, I'm not familiar with from other places, but yeah, like you got shapeshifters, lycanthropes, hanger yokai, the puka. I was pleased to see. Uh, <laughs> Snow Fox. Oh, this is an interesting one. Snow Fox, Snowman. Yeah, it, it's and, a, like, and that four. literally is uh, uh, three balls of snow with a carrot and two twigs. <laughs> yeah, yep. uh, it, 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 exactly. If, if you've been wanting to play the Disney version of D and D, this product will have you covered. And hard to argue with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so, can, can we talk a bit about um, your use of language there? Then, so you've you've um, made a conscious choice to use the term ancestry rather than race can you talk about a little bit why why you made that choice yeah so we we've talked before and and peter you had mentioned it at the beginning you know as a system that's been around for a long time dnd has you know uh problematic elements in its design from its long history that some of which has just been you know carried forward and you know a lot of uh important things have been addressed but there's still some things that uh, come along with it that kind of fly under the radar. Mm. Um, one, you know, one of them being the concept of race as presented in um, in fantasy role playing games. Mm. The idea behind it is this idea that you know a person's race bestows some fundamental truths about them, like drow are evil, uh, half orcs are stupid but strong, mm. stuff like that. Yeah, um, clearly ridiculous or any more conception of the term, but still yeah. very much sort of almost nearly... It's, it, they, I think they changed it so there's no stat penalties anymore, but it's still quite baked in. Yeah, mm. and, and they changed it so that there's no stat penalties, for example, except when they added additional races, they did include those again. Yes, they're very keen on distinguishing between good and evil races. For instance, um, I thought sunlight sensitivity and superior dark vision were natural pairs. Like, you spend so much time underground, you see 120 foot, but you're sensitive when you're out in sunlight. 100% on board with that, except that poor old Dwegar, kobolds, they get sunlight sensitivity along with drow. But drow have superior dark vision, those don't. And deep gnomes have superior dark vision, but also light sensitive. And the only answer you can find is that basically some of these races are inherently evil. And it's like, well, yep. wow, that's kind of racist. <laughs> yeah. And, and, even, and even when you look at it like, all right, uh, uh, elves are intelligent and pretty. You get, you know, what is, uh, you know... Uh, standard definition of pretty you know that it's one particular viewpoint but the basic thing being like all elves are the, su Aryan supermodels as per Lord of the Rings it's like yeah I'm not sure I'm entirely on board with this yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah but the basic idea of like ability score increases are tied to a race doesn't actually hold true and it's based on that old outdated thinking so mm -hmm. you know that's part of the changes I made the idea behind mm -hmm. what is race isn't exactly accurate for 
what exists in D&D either. And a lot of uh, more modern games are taking a different approach to it as well. Like Pathfinder 2nd Edition is using the term ancestry instead of race. Yes. It's more of a generally accepted term that's more accurate for what this these mechanics these different species and cultures better represent Mm. that's why we're using ancestry in this book there's also the the minor different the minor thing that DD combines like race and culture into like monoculture as well which again which is a different element Mm. a bit nonsensical really uh it's like okay so all high elves know how to use long swords because reasons that's why yeah yeah <laughs> yeah uh, but what i thought was really inspired was like the half ancestries uh because basically um every half or every half elf is the same but what yeah. you've done which i thought was very clever is say okay well choose two choose one major part for for one because every, every race is basically a chassis of two major features and two minor features mm-hmm. and you said choose one major and minor from one race one major and minor from another race and they go blam and it's just like that's an it's like one of those little tiny elegant design things which mm. i thought was a really strong choice really opens up so much stuff and it also means you can have any two halves you wish exactly yeah you're not restricted to a half orc or a half elf that's, for example yeah, yeah. you could have um, a half dwarf you know, yeah and this discrimination and, against dwarves and so when so <laughs> when a when a, 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 a an undead creature has a baby with an ooze <laughs> You had yeah, the undead yeah. uh, yep. I mean, and, it is and, going and a bit peer i got to say. <laughs> and it lets you do the stuff people want to do as well. Like, uh, like you come up with these cool ideas, like, mm. you know, I, I died and got reanimated as an ooze, so maybe they want to, like, combine those two things because yeah. it, like, Absolutely. you know, does that. It, it just, aside from just the, the stuff I'm putting in the book, you also get to do those combinations if you have a cool idea or want to absolutely i mean like you know you've got uh, i mean from the stuff i've seen the thing i would probably like most is if it had themes like uh, some sort of organization on the ground of themes so you could say and these people died but they got better like resonance (laughs) and their oozes animated armors all that sort of thing you could put in this is our sort of of weird sci-fi and you've got like your machiners and so forth in there that would be really interesting. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've done a fair bit of geekiness about it. Uh, Greek, Irish, Eastern European, maybe Persian or Arabian, something to go with the Alcadim lot. Uh, like a na- There's a strong naval theme that could potentially be brought out as well. I mean, maybe even Japan, China, South America, Africa. There's a lot of different places you could bring out some really interesting ideas. And the artwork, by the way, is really nice. Yeah, we've we've got a couple incredible artists on oh. this, and that's kind of what the main the the main goal of the Kickstarter is. Like, I've written everything; it's in play testing. Oh. Like, it, it could ship basically without any of the art, but the art's what really oh, brings yeah. stuff to life. Mm. So, such an inspiration. That's, that's yeah. the main goal. Yeah, yeah mm. to 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 get the fun so that we can get the artist to put in more art in the book that's that's like the main yeah the main goal so you mentioned yeah. the um tm's guild earlier is your is your background your design background more for the focused on the dm's guild yeah it it, it has been that's that's where oh. i got my start yeah. basically hmm. through the dm's guild like because you did I your early doing... on magic items was it 500 magic items 
Yeah, it yeah. was a bunch of magic, a bunch of magic items. Like when they announced the DMs Guild, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I was running games, so I was doing yeah. homebrewing stuff, and I was like, oh, you know what? I, I might be able to make a product for that. Yeah. Let's see how it works. And started putting some stuff out there, realized I liked it, mm. and then that cool. led to like the Kickstarter and a lot of work on the DMs Guild. Uh, so what, what made you decide to go with Kickstarter this time then instead of the DMs Guild? The main reason is I needed to raise funds to be able to put art in it, yeah, and D- uh, you can't you can't kickstart stuff on the DM Guild mm-hmm. the the way that you would want to be able to. So that's mm-hmm. that's the main reason for it. What you've shown us is uh, a work in progress document which yes. contains a couple of dozen a dozen races or so twenty ancestries twenty mm-hmm. twenty ancestries, and you said yes. there's going to be about forty in total. What? What are, what are your favorites? Have you got a couple that you really think stand out, you really enjoy? Oh. Yeah, my absolute favorite is the Machina mm. because oh. I am a sucker for robots in fantasy settings. <laughs> like that's that's the thing that like made me glomp onto Eberron immediately yeah. was yeah, the Warforged. Yeah. Yes, uh, with their three different sort of things. Sadly deceased in the um, actual Everon release, but yeah. Yeah, I, I, I kept that for this. Like, the original design for 5th edition of the Warforged, the, the different metal platings you could have. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand that the plus one to AC is what, like, people kind of envision for it, but the different kinds of construction were just so yes. much cooler in my opinion mm. uh, where where are the autobots people want to know and the here autobots. they are <laughs> yep. well you could they, they was it the envoy i think had the option to have uh tools tool use and then it like sprang it out i think the idea was okay so the top of your finger unhinges and some thieves tools come out and you auto pick the lock uh except obviously things like uh, navigators tools land vehicles these are also tool use proficiencies in dd so logically autobots yeah <laughs> yeah that that's something that popped up in playtesting yes. that someone that had a machina was like like i don't want to play druid but it would be cool if i could <laughs> like change into different shapes and somewhat so that's that's on my list of stuff like it, it i've got to add that into one of the major features <laughs> for the machina <laughs> absolutely absolutely that is, it's very good um I mean, Russ, did you did you have any favourites when you were looking through? Uh, well, I mentioned it earlier. I quite like the look of the ooze, just because that is a very that's one of the more off the wall ones. There, I think when I was looking through it, it was. I don't think I've ever seen an ooze as a PC. character option or a PC before. Uh, ooze with have you ever seen an ooze as an NPC? Ooze with a personality. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it reminds yeah, me, have you, have you seen that, uh, what is it, uh, the, uh, the Orville? Yes. There's a, there's a crew oh, member on there that's yeah. an ooze that just, like, slithers around the ship. Uh, <laughs> of course there is, yeah. Oh, my days, yeah. Hey, so this is a race uh, ancestry construction ancestry. system that you have. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, it allows you to create your own ancestries, I assume, rather than yes. picking one from the book. Correct. Uh, what mm. was it like a menu of major and minor ones, and you just pick any different ones you want? How's it? How's it work? Mm-mm. Yeah, so that's basically what'll work. Like the way each ancestry is, the way most of them are designed is, you get a cultivated list of major and minor features yeah. that would yeah. make sense for you know biologically what they would be able to do or if you like have cultures associated with them as well you know what they what they'd be able to get from that as Mm. well so you can basically just you know 
if you're designing one, like here's a list of options for anyone that would pick this ancestry and just cobble them together. Yeah. And like, yeah, I'll have a I'll have a big list of like here's stuff that counts as major features, here's minor features. I I I like doing more of like giving tools to designers. Like I like Ooh. having a a like basic unified underlying system. Mm. So more along the lines of like a skill proficiency would be a minor feature instead of just like listing out every skill proficiency, for example. Like Yeah. Yeah. So is the idea uh, more sort of like the player designs their own ancestry, or is it like the GM designs like a, a, a you know, four or five for both? their world and then says these are available, which is the sort of intended usage. I can, I can see either GMs or players using it. Like I usually run games, so I feel like in most cases, people that are running games are the ones doing a lot of that design work. But I'm also a fan of like building settings together with the players. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're building a unique setting and you're in a position where you want to build unique ancestries, that's something that like would be great to get player input from. Just kind of yeah. like, you know, here's the high level concept, but here's like, here's the stuff we want to be able to see them do. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's going to be an essential for any GM's toolkit, to be fair. Um, like, well, it depends upon AGM. If you're just running, like, what uh, people refer to as just, like, straight games, like, you're not using any homebrew, you're not creating your own, like, races or anything, or your own fiction, that's absolutely fine. Then this will be no use to you, pretty much, unless you want to tweak and uh, play around with stuff, in which case it becomes also quite useful. Yeah. No, I think yeah. it's a very, very interesting idea. I'll be... Uh, I'd love to see more of the mechanics of how it works. Yeah, thanks. The the one thing I like about, like, even if you're doing a basic game version of it, is the, like, the one thing that kind of annoyed me is how, like, half-orcs and tieflings, like, you get just one set. Like, the the subtypes that you get for some of the races, like, elves, you're an elf, you get this package. Yeah, and you get 12 12 12 different different choices. Yeah. What even, or even is that? Yeah. 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 But even like dwarves and halflings, like they get a choice to make, um, but some some don't. Mm. Yeah. And and that to me that's just kind of boring. It's like, all right, I pick a half work, but every half work is going to have literally the exact same features from uh, being a half work. They're all intimidating. They're all very hard to kill, and they do brutal critical criticals, which is nice, yeah. but it's like super stereotyped. Mm. And, and yeah. Dragonborn look on the surface like they have a lot of variety but it's like which flavor of breath weapon and resistance would you like okay you're done goodbye that's just like oh. yeah could, could we, so like not from bone come on guys yeah yeah so so like some of the ancestries still have that like subtype feature if oh. it's more like they have different forms but for most of them it's you know they now have choices that they can make like the half orc would be able to choose whether they do brutal critical or whether they can do more damage on a hit or something like that like yeah the goal is to make sure they can have a choice at some point yes and to make sure those like features don't always pigeonhole them into one like design choice either yeah Yeah. so you could actually play a half orc wizard and you've chosen to have a cantrip yeah because you know why wouldn't you? You've got you're magically inclined, so you've got an extra country to start with. Why not? Yep, that's fun. So all these different major and minor abilities. When you when you're designing an ancestry, are they? Is that simply just a compilation of all the ones already in, 
all those 40 ancestries or have you got a whole bunch of new ones that haven't actually been used yet in any of those no so so the list will basically be all of the ones that that are that i've put in there basically if if i'm thinking of something it's probably in an ancestry the only the only difference would be like i have additional ancestries written as stretch goals that if we are successful enough i'll be able to add them into Mm -hmm. that if they if they have any like features that aren't like if that ancestry doesn't make it in the book and they have a feature mm-hmm. that that isn't represented somewhere else, like I'll still put that in the right, list because yeah. that's still a useful yeah, yeah. thing to have. Oh, that's good. Um, so how do, you, how do you go about balancing these things when you were talking about what's a major, what's a minor, what's going to be a bit overpowered, what's not? How? I mean, I assume you, know, you said earlier that you've been playtesting, but how, how, what's, what's your approach generally to doing that? So there's a cool tool out there for homebrewers called Detect Balance for 5e that's specifically used for uh, balancing homebrew races. Um, And they have this mathematical formula or whatever to take these features that are in the game and to see how mechanically impactful they are. Um, I use that to like kind of do testing around the concept of the major minor feature system and found out that the math kind of works out in that way that like there, there's minor differences like I have for simplicity a uh, resistance to a magical damage source like fire cold lightning or whatever like that's a minor feature in, in actuality like resistance to fire is more useful than resistance to other things but for like simplicity I just do yeah yeah it's it's a minor like, resistance to fire is probably going to be better than say resistance to thunder. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. If fire comes and, up and, a lot in games, thunder not so much. Mm. But yeah. Yep. But just yeah. to be able to say like you know what damage resistance minor across the board, and I like put that in there like just FYI, this is a conscious decision. Part of what it is, especially for the creatures that are designed off of monsters, is taking like these iconic features that they have like the like the medusa for the gorgon like if you're picking a gorgon you're gonna want to be able to petrify people so then it's taking that ability and like stepping it back to fit in with other powerful racial ancestry abilities like a dragonborn fire breath or something like that like putting in those limitations and how often you can use them yeah so it's it's tough to like still capture that feel but still have it work with everyone else this is coming to kickstarter at the end of the month 28th of april is your launch date is that is that correct that is correct and yep. was, is that going to run for a month or yeah normal normal 30-day run yeah. period yeah I, uh, are you worried at all about the uh, current pandemic affecting kickstarters was that a factor in your thoughts or yes i am I mean, I don't know one way or the other whether or not it's going to affect it. I've been watching Kickstarters and it's hard to tell so far. But uh... Yeah, that's that's the thing. And, and like there was another Kickstarter that's wrapping up soon. That's also like 5e races that did incredibly well. They also have like a bigger budget and a bigger goal mm. than I do. So I'm, um, you know, it, smaller creator, smaller scale. Like I think I'll be successful, yeah. but it's still hard to tell whether like how much more it could have been successful if a pandemic sure, wasn't going yeah, on. Yeah. But I'm also kind of interested in like 
you know, I've put in the work to to do it and launch it, and I, I still think it'll be successful. But I'm also interested to see how how it functions during this period. I'll consider my consider myself a test subject for <laughs> for future Kickstarters. Well, that's what I am definitely watching. Is the, it's not so much the Kickstarters that are ending about now, because the ones that are ending about now launched before the, the pandemic really became a major thing in people's lives. It's the ones that are starting about now are the ones that are really interesting to look at because it's just, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, so, um, Tim, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. I can't wait oh, yeah. to see how your Kickstarter does. I'll be back fingers in for cro- sure. Fingers crossed for you. It'll be great. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Um, just just, uh, just remind everyone, it's called uh, Ancestries Awakened, coming to Kickstarter on the 28th of April. Yeah, that's, we shall look forward to it. You'll have to come back and uh, tell us how it's going on sometime later this year. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Hey, you're very welcome. Very welcome. So next week, we'll have Mark Langworthy, who will be Ooh. talking about Devil's Worm and 2000 AD. Yeah. Until next week, uh, thank you for listening. I've been Russ. I still am. No, I hope you still are. I'm Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild for all players. And I am Tim Gonzalez from Pirate Gonzalez Games. Thank you so much, people. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash Morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here.